Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Zeit gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, these are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So, without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. What is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are? I yesterday was looking up the public pool hours in New York yes. because I'm a huge, huge, huge advocate of going to the public pools in New York City because everybody's like, I mean, ew, gross. The public pools, like, I'd rather go to a hotel. And I'm like, okay, but the pools are run by the city and have, like, really intense guidelines about how clean they have to be. And, you know, yeah. who doesn't have those guidelines? Any hotel. Um, <laughs> I don't know if any <laughs> hotel pools are getting cleaned in the way that the public pools in New York are. So I am a huge fan they're freezing cold. Yeah. If you live in New oh, York, they? you should, they're super, they're like, because they're like cooling centers. Like they're for people, especially right, right, right. who don't have air conditioning in the summer. Um, they're in, also yeah. the location of a lot of the free lunches that get, you know, for students. So in the summer, you're not in school. That's where they do it. I love, love, love the public pools, but I was, uh, I've never gone early enough to know what time they open. So I was like, I guess I should find out. And it's 11, which I think is a little close for me. Um, so I don't know <laughs> if I'll ever get there at opening, but noon feels right. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Did you grow up in New York? In New York? No. Yeah. Where did you I grew up, up in Maryland, but I've been here for 16 or 17 years now, okay, which okay. is crazy because I'm 20. Um, <laughs> <laughs> God, you're so mature. Yeah. Just kidding. I would never want to be 20 again. My God. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Some of the most chaotic times in my life. Uh, okay, Because like L.A., the pools in L.A. are just because of the ambient heat. Mm -hmm. Not always like super cool, but you definitely yeah. cool off. But then we also totally. just have like all those like splash parks now where it's just basically the equivalent of like an open fire hydrant. But yes. in a like foam ground area to make it safe yeah. for kids. Yeah. For kids. I love the public pools in L.A. though, too. I used to go swim in those when I lived there. I, yeah. They're the best. I love pools. Verdugo. Yeah. I guess that's, little, that's something about me. I love pools. It's unique. I've, talk, I've <laughs> talked before on here about how my first job out of college was as a pool boy at the Soho house, mm. the roof deck of the Soho house when that had just opened. And I was in charge of just to your point about them not having regulations. I was in charge of like the chlorine levels. Mm. Also, you, you were? Yeah. They were <laughs> like, like there was... Yeah, oh no! I, I had somebody who like knew more about it, who checked with me every once in a while. But I was like doing the pH testing and yeah, shit, and wow. was in no way equipped to do that. I had to like pull a drowning kid out of the pool one time. Yes. I well, there. I was there during the blackout 
of mm-hmm. what whatever year that was. 2003? The, yeah, 2003. Yeah. And everybody like came to that pool. It was a tiny pool. It was like yeah. ha- halfway between a pool and a bathtub. Yeah, and, it's like the size of a couch. But everyone thought it would be a cool <laughs> place to hang out. And it was like milky by the end of it. Oh, yeah. Because oh. I didn't know what I was doing. As, no. yeah. They just like put whoever's up there in charge of like the chlorine levels. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. like on the other side, like in Vegas, their pools, like if you open your eyes under the water, it will mm-hmm. just strip like membranes yeah. from yeah. your like eyeballs. So yeah, your you eyes will turn difference. like five shades lighter. Clear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just have White See Walker through. eyes after you open them underwater. Oh what is uh, what's something that you think is overrated? I think that Wes Anderson is overrated. Oh. <laughs> hey, wait, let the chopper sing. <laughs> Talk to what exactly about Wes Anderson is overrated? I think. Look, I. He just tells the same quirky little story over and over again. Granted, I have not seen Asteroid City yet. So maybe this one will just blow me away and I will be excited again. To be clear, there was a time period where I did like his work. But I don't know, maybe I think it's just like too repetitive mm. I don't know. And but like, yeah, I get it. Like he's an auteur, so he's gonna have a distinct style that he kind of just keeps recycling over and over but like i don't know i just like find his quirky little quirkiness a bit tiresome these days yeah what era of when were you rocking with him yeah i would say well the peak for me was fantastic mr fox hell yeah that's probably my favorite of his and Leading up to, but then like after that, I felt like there was just a decline. Comes next Moonrise Kingdom, I think. That one was like, ah, oh, okay, it's fine. A and then, film. All right. and then again, another controversial take here, but I thought that Isle of Dogs was, <laughs> speaking of toilets, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was pee pee poo poo. Yeah. Oh, gosh. But I think that's totally fair. I, okay. Here's my experience watching almost every Wes Anderson film. Just like, gosh, that's really pretty. Oh, look, it's Owen Wilson. He's always delightful. Mm-hmm. Costumes should get credit. Wow. The fits are fitting. The movie was that I'll never watch it again. And then don't revisit mm-hmm. Wes Anderson films. They're like very beautiful. I feel like they have just enough story to avoid being museum pieces. You know what I mean? You ever seen a movie in a museum? Yeah, right. But it's like... Tell me the plot of any Wes Anderson movie. You can't, like, I can't do it. Like, I don't, rem- like, they just don't stick with me. I feel like it's just like, you see a frame and you're like, wow, look at all that headroom. That's nice. And look at this mise-en-scene. <laughs> Woohoo. And then you're like, but what was the plot? And also, why did I watch it? <laughs> yeah. Pretty feel like. He is going to be the least likely filmmaker to for you to be like, oh, he really surprised me on this one. <laughs> this is this is not. I did not see this one coming. I think his like French Dispatch was his attempt to do something different, and I think it's like his. It's definitely my least favorite of his movies. I skipped and, it. I couldn't be bothered. Yeah, but it's. It also seems like I, I don't see that many people like riding for that one. Usually, like, I feel like his movies are some people really like it. Some people really hate it. And, you know, it's it's kind of random. Like, I really like Grand Budapest Hotel, but I don't like mm-hmm. a lot of the ones around that. Sure. And that's kind of the only later era one that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. But. A lot of people like really love the uh, Life Aquatic. I've never really connected with that one. Me either. But yeah, French Dispatch felt like people were like, "Huh, uh-uh, we're not, we're not going with you on this one." There, there are some like really good performances in it. Yeah, I don't know. I like part of me wants to see the Asteroid City one because I don't know. It it just looks like the he's instead of trying to do something different, he's like, "I'm going to do the same." So hard. <laughs> oh, you didn't like be... it when I tried something new? Well, fine. Yeah. I'll How do about... the thing again. Yeah. 
How about if Wes Anderson tried to make a Wes Anderson movie? He like got jealous of all the people being like on social media, being like, <laughs> what if your day was a Wes Anderson movie? And it's like, right. wild to me that he was upset about that. Like I was really trying to. Was he upset about that? I was yeah. Just, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. He came out. He was like, I would never look at those. And people were like, it's like people are just homaging your film for like that. I think like the highest form of flattery is like the entire internet got together and was like, I think your aesthetic is so utterly charming. I'm going to place myself inside of it. It was, I, I really liked the meme. I thought it was cute. Disappointing. Court your fan base, please. I think it's, this is the best a parasocial relationship can be is just to say, hey guys, I see you and I liked what you did and thank you. And then just move on. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if it's also like, it would just be like, he, he's worried it would like fuck him up a little bit to see everybody's <laughs> like version of him. The way that like seeing someone do an impression of you can be a little unnerving for the first time, you know? That is fair. That, okay, maybe. Or maybe he's just an asshole. I, I... couldn't possibly imagine <laughs> a universe where that's true. That's uh, from Wes Anderson. that has got his quote directly. So, okay. So Wes Anderson said about the memes i'm very good at protecting myself from seeing all that stuff if somebody sends me something like that i'll immediately erase it and say please sorry do not send me things of people doing me because i do not want to look at it thinking is that what i do is that what i mean i don't want to see too much of someone else thinking about what i try to be because god knows i could then start doing it so to your point jack this is a form of self-protection and not a dismissal of his fans yeah Okay. And, all right. Okay. Also, <laughs> he he does betray in that quote, like a little bit of like a thing I always suspect about anybody who got famous before like a certain point, like that they just like don't know how technology works. <laughs> like if someone sends me something, I erase it. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you erase it? The the link that they sent to you? You like go? Yeah, in they and... delete it from internet dot com. <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) What's something you think is underrated, Teresa? Okay, there's this really cool taco spot right around where I live. It's like my neighborhood. Um, But it's just a guy who sells tacos in front of his house. And he's really cool. And it's underrated, (laughs) obviously, because you guys don't know about it. But I want to shout him (laughs) out because I love this so much. Literally, I feel like it's like, I, I don't want to say I manifested it because obviously this man is an individual person who has his own life and needs, but I was thinking right before I moved, like, oh, it'd be really cool to just, I think I was just having existential dreams about, you can't tell, like, what's my future and livelihood. So right. I was like, what if I just like opened a little restaurant in my garage? But that was mostly like, I don't actually want to do it, but I was just thinking the idea of like, let's just go back to, it reminds me of like Taiwan where people just have these little eateries and you know your right. neighborhood and you enjoy your community and it's nice and and it doesn't have to be, you know, a Chipotle or bought by Facebook. But then like the first week I lived here, um, I saw a sign that was just like handwritten. It was just like in Spanish that said like tacos, viernes y sabado, like yeah. Fridays and Saturdays. And my first thought was like, oh, that must be good because if it's a handwritten sign, it's not advertised. He's only doing it two days of the week. Just yeah. out so, of sheer love of the game. Yeah, but Friday comes around. I'm like, oh, I can't wait. It's first time I go. And he said it was the first time he was doing it, too. So oh, our timelines coincided. Yeah. And so. I, and did you you're like, I made you do this? He's like, I'd never heard of tacos before yesterday. <laughs> I was like, yeah. He's like, I just spontaneously appeared. But um, no, he like started this little business in front of um, his house. And he it's so good. He just like starts cooking in the afternoon on Fridays and then around five he starts selling it like I was trying to buy it like at like two and he was like it's not ready yet and then <laughs> no right now I'm in <laughs> so like, but they're so good and it's so cute and he's been doing it now for the last couple of weeks every Friday Saturday and That's there's like so a cool. crowd and he started he goes by Papa's talk tacos Papa Jose and like okay. every week I go there there's like a new sign now like he's like adding more marketing like now there's a sign down the street along like the you know, the main street that has a little arrow that says tacos. And then the other day there was one that you could scan the QR code and follow him. Oh, tacos, Papa Jose. This is actually um, a brilliant marketing strategy. Could you actually give him my number? I actually want to reach out to him about getting his (laughs) brand online. That's a, that's really like a 
cool thing because I feel like the lemonade stand model, like you, you never hear that applied to anything else. It's just like kids trying their first, taking their first whack at capitalism. And yeah. it's like very. And they don't know it's because they're cute. That's why they're selling it. Yeah. Right, right. But right. like if, if you're good at making stuff, why not do a little taco yeah, stand? Or, it's so good. Yeah. And it's like, like it's homemade and there's like you know people sitting around there's usually like a tv and his family's hanging out so it's like really nice but also like the first weekend i think there was a graduation so a lot of people were coming but also he just said he i asked him how he advertised and he just said he was posting on facebook so Mm. i mean whatever fuck it zuckerberg but like that's kind of nice i don't know there was something really like sweet about just like it's good and he's just earnestly trying to do it that way but in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, what if this is the next Sting Typhoon? Because that's how you hear about these like huge eateries. They always start from just okay, like... Okay, so then maybe this- you need to get in as an investor. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I want to buy in. Ground yeah, floor yeah. investor. This is how you get the oh, wow. buildings named after you. Yeah, you do, you do yeah, stand up and next tacos. Next time you show up, it's going to be called Tacos Mama Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> I did a leverage buyout. I got chased this ass out of town. It's all mine now. <laughs> This idiot made the mistake of showing me his his process for making his these proprietary tacos. recipe. Yeah. Oh my god! True capitalist. They're also only two dollars, and they're very good. That's the other thing. I'm like, oh, it's so much. Better. It's so near Salazar, and I'm like, yeah, Salazar's I great love, too. But I'm like, this place, mm, it's great. Yeah, I so. love like I love local food, local eateries. It's mm-hmm. it's so funny when you meet people. Like I don't know, maybe it's just being an Angelino. Like I've never grown up with like the fear of street food, and also maybe just mm-hmm. like in Japan too, in Asia, like. They're yeah. just like in Japan, they're called yatais, where they're just like fucking people just throw up a tent and shit in a grill. Yeah. And, like they're serving outside of a train in station. Taiwan too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it's it's always funny when people are like, I don't know about that. And I'm like, you have clearly not felt the love of street food. That <laughs> also like, you can't get sick of you don't like when I went back to Taiwan and I hadn't been for a while and I just like late night got something that probably have been out for hours. I was like, no, it's your well, weak American I'm gut. Be like, yeah, you got to have to be a little savvy about what time and where, which stands you're going to, but. I like to just say, yeah, it's because you've been out of country too long. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't right. It wasn't their fault. It was you. No, it wasn't their America. fault. They were like, why yeah. would you buy this meat thing? <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're like, it was clearly a shoe on a stick. <laughs> I don't know. It, I thought it was like a gag, like a fun shape. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about cocaine. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course, and... Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise. The sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And back in our crack days, I worked on an article about like cognitive biases that affect our ability to understand money. And like the piece really like zoomed in on examples of how traditional media interacts with a brain that was designed millions of years ago for an animal that was trying to survive the food chain. And like our brain is designed to process like fairly simple visual stimuli in a pretty straightforward way. That tree has fruit on it. Remember that tree. And then, you know, the point in the article was like if you only show the person who won the lottery on TV and not the, you know, billions of people who lose the lottery every day, it creates a imprint of like, that's the fruit tree. That's the, that's the place to go. And like, that is so basic. <laughs> that's such a basic thing that just feels like so quaint and antiqu- antiquated compared to the modern world that we're existing in, where the increasing use of AI to create intentionally false stories, use of like technology really seems to be accelerating things to, in some cases, like make them worse, or at least there there's a feeling that that is the case in like day to day, our day to day lives. And so we wanted to talk about kind of all the ways that the modern world is sort of this funhouse mirror that our brain's ability to interact with it, it like just warps and stretches and it's it's not going well it seems like based on some of these statistics that you pulled jason well i wanted to pull some stats because when we talk about like people being anxious or depressed or whatever these days it's when i just talking about vibes <laughs> like you can <laughs> right. you can look at the statistics so suicide rates been climbing in the usa for the last 20 years around 2000 is when most of these trends started to skew higher That is a distinctly American phenomenon. Most other countries' suicide rates have been steadily falling. This is an American thing. But there's a large number they call deaths of despair, where they lump together suicide, alcohol deaths, drug-related deaths, and all of that has skewed up since 2000, and then since around 2010 has started to, like, most of them have kind of started to spike. Yeah. Now, part of you, you mentioned like the deaths of the drug overdose deaths. Some of that is separately just the opioid epidemic and fentanyl. But also some of those overdoses are intentional. Yeah. But if there's no note left behind, they just put it out as overdose. Because, of course, how would you know? So that's and so and then anxiety and depression both have been rising up specifically among the youth. Again, going back to around 2009, 2010. Now, there's two ways people interpret this that are controversial. You can either say that these things have been going up in the internet era and then have accelerated in the smartphone era. Right. Or you can say, well, these things have gone up since 9-11 and accelerated since the financial crisis of 2008. When we start talking about how the media and smartphones and all those things make people more anxious, this upsets people because the response is always, well, we're not anxious because of phones. We're anxious because the world is on fire. Our assertion is not that there are no problems in the world. Our assertion, or at least mine, is that the way media, the media environment is one of those problems. It's one of those things that that make things worse. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of things, like all the things that you were, you were saying like the world is on fire, nine eleven, the economic collapse, and then also 
having devices in our hands, feeding us a steady stream of media that's like specifically tailored to us and specifically based on preferences of what makes us angriest or or most frightened, like those things can't be good. And yeah, I I think there's, Miles, you you pulled a Al Jazeera story about like outrage headlines increasing. Well, because I mean, yeah, again, like we're, there's so many facets of how we end up with bad vibes, the bad vibes decades uh, trademarked. Uh, but yeah, like I think one of them is, you know, like this is some version of like mean world syndrome where a lot of your media diet are just giving you sort of an overemphasis on the terrible things that are happening, which can just lead to be, like being more cynical or just being like, what the fuck is going on? And yeah, like with Al Jazeera, they analyze like headlines, like like thousands, tens of thousands of headlines from 2000 to 2019, just to see what the emotional charge of was of some of these headlines. And they've noticed that Things have just gotten more and more increasingly negative since the year 2000. Like, you know, headlines that say, like, quote, Brazil prison riot leaves nine dead rather than things like a new lens restores vision and brings relief. And we're seeing just that sort of that rise in those kinds of headlines be equally sort of distributed between the right and left. But there is a there is an edge on the right, like with conservative media definitely having those, you know, a bigger emphasis on the fear based kind of headline. And I and I feel the same way, too, like because reading as much news as I do or we have to making this show like that absolutely has an effect on me. But then you kind of have to take a step back and like, what are the statistics saying? You're actually getting something completely different. Yeah. And yeah. What the, the headlines. And again, note that there's the year 2000 again, when going back to the origin of that. What was driven by that was the death of news being a print medium versus mm-hmm. news being an online medium. Because, again, with newspaper headlines, like, of course, once upon a time they had to sell papers, but now individual stories have to get clicked on. Yeah. And very, very quickly, just through A-B testing, again, there, there's no conspiracy here. Just through tracking user behavior, they figured out that the more emotionally charged, I mean, we saw this cracked, the more mm-hmm. emotionally charged headline gets clicked. So now... Yeah. Every individual headline, because, you know, once upon a time, you'd have a newspaper with a big headline across the top, you know, Nixon goes to jail, whatever. Mm. I, I don't think Nixon ever actually went to jail. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. Would have sold papers and it would have been a headline in the modern era. <laughs> and then a lot of the other headlines would be very boring and straightforward. City council votes to do whatever. Well, yeah. now, if you want people to click on that boring city council story, if it's your job as a journalist to get people to click, there's got to be an angle on there that's going to get people mad. Yeah. And so beyond the examples you gave here, you have the news, uh, you know, the actual news organizations gathering news, but then you have the aggregators of the content like Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, Vox, all of these sites that basically would take the headline and then do a little blog post about it. And those titles would be things like, you know, if you're not paying attention to this, you're not angry enough. Right. Or this clip is going to leave you outraged. When you see how they treated this this disabled man at, at, at McDonald's, you're going to be furious. Like literally putting the emotion in the headline. If you're not mad, you're not a good person. Right. And making that part of the ethos of the time that it's like, if you want to be a good person who cares about the world, you must be angry all the time because there's so much there's so much injustice or whatever. Never mind that that doesn't help that person in the video. Never mind that you're watching a clip from three years ago and, yeah. and everyone has forgotten about it. It doesn't matter. It has bubbled up on Reddit and now everybody's mad again to no effect. Like it's yeah. not motivating you to help this person. Yeah. What one old, old outdated technology I think we're underrating is newsies. These headlines are doing, you know, newsies just used to <laughs> yell at you to read the newspaper and people right. would just listen because they were scared of the newsies. But now they, they have to scare us with the actual content of the headline. And then I think, you know, we, we've also talked recently about how the number of people who identify with a religion or involved in a religion and the number of people who have access to or regular contact with a community like both are just on an all time low and going lower. And so I think that there's a broad kind of you can call it spiritual or like broadly psychological level more than ever before where 
we don't have like access to answering some of the big questions. And so like we speculated on past one of these like kind of broad episodes about the idea that like maybe stand culture is coming from the, this need to sublimate ourselves to something higher and like some mythical like godhead figure or like leader person like because we're not getting that anywhere else and so like we get stand culture or the stories of the movies that make an imprint on us when we're very young like star wars or you know harry potter the matrix like these are our mythical stories that we have chosen to kind of put put ourselves like derive our meaning from and that that actually made a lot of sense of of how people react like how star wars fans or like fan, fandoms react like there is a religious war when something happens that doesn't cohere to the dogma that they were raised on but i think there's a lot of like kind of grasping for meaning as technology has isolated us from one another and from the the communities that used to allow people to sort of dissolve their sense of self into like a broader let less kind of self-centered way of viewing the world and i mean yeah we were talking about like consumer culture as like kind of another example of where we see this i mean with, with i guess stand culture is one example of that but consumerism people have become like very serious consumers like to like on a deep deeply personal level i feel like yeah because i mean like to your point i mean i don't you know the lack of religion or i think that sense of community more than like finding i mean people are finding meaning in other things but i don't know how many people are explicitly like "Ah, i just i need something that kind of explains everything and i think though the way we pivot to that is just to find like you say like because we feel so isolated we're we want to find community in these other ways that like are interesting to us because i'm not interested in religion yeah. But I'm interested in Arsenal Football Club. And that is the closest way I begin to devote myself to something that's like part like there's group, there's like a in group where I'm trying to be like identify with these other supporters. I go through the religious ceremonies of like watching the matches and getting very emotional as I watch them and be very like emotionally moved when things go up or down. And so like I, I find that like most people have like a topic where they will bring that sort of level of like devotion to, you know, like what they're paying attention to and what they're willing to debate people on, et cetera. Because yeah, like we're all, we're all just trying to find something that like feels good and helps us feel connected at the end of the day. At least certainly that I can speak for myself in that very narrow example. Yeah. Yeah. This is something else where you can track in statistics, like the average number of friends and close friends a person has, again, has been dropping since the nineties. And it is just the people used to meet their friends at church. They used to meet their friends at the office. And now a lot of people work at home, you know, and that's the thing where you like, we can sit here and talk about it as like a mystical thing. Like there's no sense of unity or community or whatever. But from just a practical point of view, having a friend who will give you a ride to the airport or who will help you move mm-hmm. or, you know, like just as in a practical manner, we that's part of what. People don't get this. It's part of what a church provided. Like the church, when one person got sick and couldn't work, the other members of the church would bring food to their house. They would come help them clean. Like that was, and you did it because it's like, hey, we all are Baptists or whatever, and we are all on the same team. And it was, that's something that is, humans do everywhere that you find humans as we organize and get together. But we usually have to have something to rally around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A symbol. Or something, a tree. This tree is sacred. We all, yeah, yeah whatever it is, uh, you <laughs> know. It, it, uh, and unfortunately, that also makes us go to war with one another. If you see somebody in a Red Sox jersey, and you're like a Yankee fan, and then it's like, all right, let's go, let's go punch that guy. But when you talk about, and there's a term they use for the modern situation, which is atomization, where you have atomized people to where now, if you need a ride to the airport, you're going to, you know, pay for an Uber. And and so many of these things that used to be stuff that friends would do, it's like, well, now it's a corporation doing it for you. And I'm not saying that the friends you know purely online aren't your real friends. 
but it's a different type of friendship. If it's somebody who you can't call when you've broken your leg, you need somebody to go get groceries for you, or vice versa. If you're not the person that, like, you feel obligated to do that because they're my friend, like, like they depend on me. It means right. something to be needed, to be dependent on. Right. Like, to get in a situation where nobody depends on you, and, like, I don't have children or whatever, but, like, I don't have friends where that friend's going to call me in the middle of the night and said, hey, I need you to come bail me out of jail. Like, that sucks in the moment, but knowing that somebody needs you is what keeps you going. When you're that isolated from real life connections, it's too easy to just drift away. Humans need to be needed. Yeah, we need that actual in real life connection. Which is yeah. interesting too, because I see this like on TikTok more and more of people posting like these strategies that come off as like the most manipulative, sort of like sadistic things where they talk about it's like you got to be needed. And that's how you do. That's how you develop even deeper <laughs> relationships. I do this thing with my wife where I unhook the uh, the, the chain from the toilet uh, handle so she'll need me. And when the <laughs> toilet isn't working, she will then associate me with someone who can come and solve a problem. And then that helps create a deeper love. And you're like, oh, my God. And people are like, Really, like, I mean, it's that that's a kind of fringe element of TikTok, but more and more people are taking these sort of things and sort of finding ways to like manufacture these kinds of connections because they aren't happening like normally either. And you're kind of like, this sounds like sociopathic, but on the other side of it, you can see people sort of like yearning for like, yeah, how do I cultivate a deeper connection? Do I need to sort of gaslight this person and thinking that the toilet never works and I'm yeah. the the like magical fixer of that but again like you see it expressed in so many ways of that there is this deeper human thing lacking yeah working I mean, the dentist system from it's always sunny in philadelphia right, right. Know, if you don't know that reference just right. look it up we got that uh, clip but a, stra a strange like when one of your human interactions most common human human interactions is like an uber driver like a person a stranger you can put on quiet mode like when, when you're having a conversation with them, then it makes sense to me that that sort of manipulation and viewing other people as a means to an end could bleed into how you view like other other parts of your life. Right. If every, everything's just sort of a transactional. And I mean, they, they talk about this new sort of information and also like just day to day economy as being a way to re reduce the friction of that that like got in the way of some of our consumer like spending habits and like friction in many cases seems to be human interaction. So I think one thing we're going to say overall: human interaction, good. F find ways to be part of a community, you know, preferably one that needs you and g gives you meaning. Miles, the next time you go on TikTok, like there's a meta narrative in that video you saw because that algorithm floated up to you a video where the actual message was people are crazy out there <laughs> and relationships are weird and toxic these days right. you would be shocked at what percentage of the feed is some subtle message some subtle version of out there is dangerous right guys are sexist women are crazy their standards are super high You'll be accused of sexual harassment if you ever try to talk to a woman in any setting. And there's right. this meta message of the only safe place is at home looking at a screen. Yeah. Women on plane sees people who aren't there, it, which, just, as you mentioned, is a video like it's a it's a person having a mental health episode that was everywhere for like a week. And I never would have seen 30, you know, 20, maybe like 10 years ago, you know, there was a time when that wouldn't have even shown up in like the police blotter in your local paper. It was a non-event. Somebody yeah. threw a fit on it, but because it was captured on camera. But the message is, it's scary to fly. It's There's scary crazy out people there. out there. And yeah. any conservative news, like you, if you look at the comments on any conservative news outlet, it's like, well, I won't even drive through this city. Like it's just New York, Mad Max. It's like, yeah, no, it's not. I've I've been there. It's people walking around and shopping and eating at restaurants. It's like, but it's like, no, from from their point of view, it's just cars on fire. Yeah. Smashed windows. Like if you are a white person, the minorities will just drag you off the street because they all it's Antifa and, and the Black Lives Matter. 
as like, you've got such a weird view of the world, but it's all, you're only safe at home. Right. Like you have people living in the middle of whatever, Oklahoma or Montana, someplace where they, they haven't had a violent crime in, you know, like in six months, where they've got cameras all over the outside of their house and they've got a shotgun under their bed because they're sure that at any moment, a gang of 25 guys is going to come try to take over their house because of right. something they saw on the news. It's like, well, you know, in like in, in Portland and the Walgreens, they'll just have like 25 looters show up and steal everything. That could happen to me at any time here in North Dakota. Right. It's right. Like, think- it, and you see when you see their fear and how irrational it is from the outside. Your fear also looks like that to someone else. Like we all have been put into kind of a, a little a little box, a little fear box. Well, I think right. like to your point, like especially about like I think I think of things like Reddit, right? And the subreddit public freakout. There's like a subreddit called public freakout that's really popular. And it's mostly a lot of people just having some kind of like mental health crisis or something like yes. that or just some wild thing that's going on. But when you think about like when you're like a kid, I remember being like, oh, what's the ocean like? Or I'm trying to like, you know, draw on experiences I have. Most of them are like media referenced memories I have, like of a movie or something I saw on TV that was forming even my own concept of what something was. And now that we have like video that's like IRL type sort of video from cameras, that sort of that ups the stakes even more where people begin to associate well, I did see this one clip of this thing happening in this place. Now that that is exactly what is going to happen to me and has this effect of just ramping up these fears. And like a good like, you know, an example of this is like you're saying, Jason, like especially on conservative news, the way they portray certain cities and what quote unquote crime waves are happening, that has this effect on us just as human beings, where the more we're put into a fear state, the more malleable we become. And also it we it, we inch closer and closer to being in a mindset or a mind state where solving things violently is acceptable because we see just how fucked up and like aggro and violent the world is. And just looking at all of those things feeding on each other, it's like at some point for me, like I realized that the way to even break that kind of cycle was first just to have awareness, because a lot of the time, if I am getting caught up on what I read in the headlines, it it feeds on like, you know, I start ruminating on things that aren't actually necessarily helpful to me because it's also not the reality because we talk about the quote unquote crime waves that were that everyone wanted to talk about in the last year that just didn't exist. Right. And it's it's much easier to be like, OK, I know I'm seeing a lot of like overemphasis on these like visually really like, you know, uh, provocative images and videos. But that's not actually that's not a that's not the most accurate depiction on what on what is happening. Yeah. And it's specifically like designed that way, specifically based on like it, it, it. Nothing is based on reality as much as it's based on what is going to feed. Like no, nobody was sitting back and being like, "We're, we're going to make up a crime wave." It was that people's like that. That was the story that made people have the most scared reaction, and therefore they clicked on it, and therefore they got more of it. And the media, you know, keep, keeps feeding them. All right, let, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll, co- we'll come back. We'll talk about climate, which I think plays into this in a bunch of ways. And also just, you know, are there solutions? Like, what, what, what can we do? We'll no. Right <laughs> then, <laughs> nothing. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring the Kardashians, of course. And season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And so the latest Mission Impossible dropped last night or two nights ago. It's getting great reviews. It does indeed seem to be about Ethan Hunt battling a self-aware AI program known as the Entity, which, I don't know, this, like, he might as well, from from my perspective, like, that is as dramatically impactful as, like, he's battling a wizard this time. It's just like, <laughs> okay, well, that doesn't really make, sense to me or like it's not like really a thing and and that does when people are critical of the movie they seem to say like all the stuff about ai kind of drags a little bit but and, and visually it is depicted as basically an evil screensaver from 1999 like it's just okay i'm here black circle with with like white dots of light 300 million dollar movie by the way mm-hmm. but it can so the main claim that the movie makes about this AI and I guess AI in general is that the program can also see the future, like very specifically through its predictive technology, mm-hmm. and that's like based on what we're seeing in news headlines, like the you know deep learning teaching computers to predict the future is like a headline I feel like I've seen a hundred times. Spooky artificial intelligence can accurately predict the future, and it's about to be asked more questions. AI can now predict crime before it happens, as we'll we'll get into in a moment. And, oh, you mean like that movie Minority Report, also yeah, starring Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, he's he. I feel like his sense of reality is probably more blurred by the movies he's in than oh, any sure. other movie star. <laughs> like, well, like, yeah, because he has an entire organization blurring his reality yeah. before he hits set, and then you're in that magical landscape where he's made himself king. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that that guy's not living on planet Earth. <laughs> he doesn't right. need to. Yeah. the This movie actually was, like, written, it was supposed to come out, like, years ago, but the production famously shut down due to the coronavirus outbreak which according to reports in February 2020 was putting a real damper on offshore location shoots. Wow. (laughs) Gave us the Tom Cruise thing where it was clear that he thought he was the last barrier between like the end of the world and, you know, coronavirus just like killing everyone where where he was like shouting at everyone. But first of all, I just want to say to AI, speaking of, I'd, I'd like to issue a big 
where were you on that one, dipshit, to the AI on predicting the global pandemic? Like, mm-hmm. couldn't we couldn't see that one coming? A lot of people saw it coming. People, just mere people saw it coming. <laughs> but yeah, the, the whole predicting the future thing seems to be vastly overstated. Like, there's a... So the MIT researchers who had created a computer that could supposedly You mean literally, Mission Impossible technology? <laughs> Mission Impossible technology. MI yeah, technology. MIT. Yes. Yeah, yeah they, they are uh, loosely associated. <laughs> but it was basically like they were predicting, they would show the computer a picture and then the computer would predict like what would happen for the next 1.5 seconds in that picture. And like that, it was like someone walking across a golf course, and they were like, "Ah, oh, that thing's about to keep walking across that golf course." And they were like, "Holy shit, you guys!" <laughs> or like one was a wave crashing. <laughs> they were like, "I think it's gonna keep crashing." Uh, call me crazy. <laughs> and they were like, "Fucking a! You, this thing is brilliant. This thing's magical." <laughs> and. Yeah, and, that, and then, like, MIT uh, Mission Impossible Technology also developed an algorithm that could predict how people will greet each other and got a lot of cool headlines for that. It was trained on YouTube videos and reruns of The Office and Desperate Housewives. Amazing. And it was only right just over 43% of the time. We never greet each other like we do on Desperate Housewives. Right. I wish we did, but, like, I can't just walk up to my enemy and slap him across the face. It's not reality. I know. But and that sucks. And hopefully we'll get to that world mm-hmm. soon. You know, that, sooner that's rather my later. future that I'm hopeful yeah. for. But so one second away from the greeting, they could only predict it 43 percent of the time. So th- this is what I'm always wondering. Like, what? how does that compare to humans? Humans making the same prediction were right 71 percent of the time. Okay. So, much better than this AI that everyone... Did you guys ever see the 60 Minutes where they... Like, the 60 Minutes about AI? I think it came out, like, back in March or April. And, like, I think it's Scott Pelley, like, one of the old journalists on 60 Minutes is just like, okay, like, write a speech for me about this. And then he seems to be blown away by, like, the amount of text it produces... Like, he's like, that just wrote a whole speech in four Mm -hmm. seconds. Like, he's it's like he's never seen a computer before. (laughs) But I I do think we're at a weird place where people will you can just be like magic AI is bad guy in movie. And everyone's like, yep, Mm -hmm. that that makes sense. Because like we we should be afraid of AI, but people don't really know why necessarily we should be. And so we just, you know, like it's the same thing that happens with all our conspiracy theories. And, you know, we should be scared about the pandemic. We should be scared about the government's response to the pandemic. But people create like vast conspiracy theories just to make sure they're like scared about it for nonsensical reasons. Mm-hmm. It's like we, we need that like cognitive dissonance transference happening. And I feel like we're starting to see that with AI. Where they're like, AI is going to be magic and tell us everything that could happen to us for the rest of our lives. And that's that's not the scary thing about AI. Right. The scary thing is like Skynet. And th- that's the thing, like movies have been having AI as the villain for like decades now. And I feel like. I don't know what my point is going to be, but remember Terminator 1? <laughs> remember do. The Matrix from 1999 over sure 20 do. years ago? Like, I just think it's funny that AI, I guess, hasn't evolved very much in movies. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, for real. like We've it, been knowing, though, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting, you know, movies by their very nature have to heighten and dramatize in order to effectively bring home their message, particularly if we're looking at genre films. And the AI has always been like, you know, turns into a cop and now it's hunting you or, you know, it takes away your freedom of choice. You know, if we look at uh, The Matrix. Yes. What's the other one? The uh, Minority Report. Yeah, Minority Report. Minority Report, Mm -hmm. like they're so that's like also commit a crime. 
and it's set in the future. It's like a sci-fi movie, whereas right. like minor, or, uh, sorry, Mission Impossible is supposed to be like, even though they can take masks off that make them look exactly yeah. like the other person, like you, you wouldn't see Tom Cruise fighting robots necessarily, or like no, the, you know that that feels like it. It's a step into this is shit that can actually happen. You know? Yeah, yeah, and, and I appreciate the grounding. I think we got there because it's so much more tactile in this moment i think between if you think about your grocery store workers who have been concerned about self-checkout for like over a decade a lot of those stores are unionized and have actively been like hey you're taking jobs from like checkout counter people some of whom are elderly and this is like the last place they can work and make money consistently to the writers and actors who may be on strike by the time this comes out and their fear that not only could AI be used to take their job? But I mean, for performers, can my face be doing things long, long, long after I'm dead? And what will that look like? I think as we're sort of confronting these things, AI is a, a really freaking dope tool. I'm so much more concerned about these executives who are like, oh, great, now I don't have to pay people. Did you guys see the io9 article that was written by AI that came out a couple days ago that had the internet mm-hmm. in a tangle? Yeah, that's, <laughs> this is like, I, I've ever since I've been, you know, working on the internet, creating, trying to create like unique, interesting content, there's also been this push to just flood the zone with shit to quote uh, Steve Bannon. Like mm-hmm. we we used to like a crack cracked was owned by a company that was like also just destroying Google's search results with just like fake articles, like ans- answers to questions and stuff. And they were like mm. trying to get us to like do that. Just like there was like scale. How do we scale? And like that's been, you know, that that intersection of tech and media Mm-hmm. has always been scary because it's very easy for them to just create 99 million articles using technology now that like yeah pass like a, a little bit like you have to like read a paragraph to be like wait this this wasn't written by a human was it yeah so the yeah. article was like ranking the star wars movies in like chronological, chronological order, order i think yeah. yeah and they got the dates <laughs> Wrong on many of sometimes they weren't even listed in chronological order the way they were dated. The information in individual movies was incorrect. It was just error filled. Like no logical sane editor would have been like, and publish. And what's crazy <laughs> is I don't know his entire union that's actively been like, hey, we do not want this. It does not make sense to ask an AI program that cannot consistently write fact-checked articles to be publishing these and then asking somebody an editor to like go through and essentially rewrite this incorrect work that isn't benefiting anyone because who needs this list yeah. we have twenty seven thousand of this very specific this is dumb uh and it's wild that you know i'm glad the internet roasted the editor-in-chief pretty intently i'm really hoping that brings them back to the table and there can be marketing discussions about how this company decides to use AI in the future. But it's that kind of stupid shit that's like really graining, I think, on workers across job titles. It's just like, what are we, what are you trying? You just want to force people out of work. And that's not a logical yeah. thing for you to do to yourself. You need and the people product, to have money. Yeah. To, to your point, the product sucks. Like the product, like the AI too. is bad as it's fu- bad at its fucking job. Like with, with regards to like the self checkout thing, the the AI like can't stop people from stealing stuff, and so the companies mm-hmm. are like losing massive amounts of money on theft. And then, to- in order to combat that, they're just like making claims that like everyone's shoplifting. When it's just like no, like you just put a like inadequate program like as the thing in charge of like making sure people can't steal stuff or like that they don't want to steal stuff and it's just not going to it's not going to work but right, they made it way too easy because when i was yeah. in college we would for sure ring up like a full roast chicken as like some grapes Bam, yeah we're good <laughs> stop no uh if there's a person there's no possible way you could get like that used to be somebody's job to scan and bag your stuff there's no possible way to get around this. that's what i'm saying though like none of these things are thought yeah. out they just see a way to 
potentially preserve money without looking at the yeah. long-term costs. And then they still have point. to hire someone to monitor the self-checkout yeah. areas. Mm-hmm. So it's like, right. well, yeah. how much money are you actually saving, Mr. Right. Grocery? Yeah. yeah, big grocery, <laughs> which are now owned by just like two companies in mm-hmm. all of America. But yeah, like, so they've also been using it in cr- like predictive crime fighting technology. But of course, Poor first guy. of all, the data that it's being fed is from police data. So it's, you know, using the it's not predicting crime. It's predicting like where police are spending their time is essentially, which is in low income and, you know, non-white neighborhoods. And it's just complete bullshit. There, There's one great anecdote where Chicago's predictive policing software created by the Illinois Institute of Technology compiled a list of people most likely to be involved in a violent crime. And they oh, like, no. Ha AI, baby. Check out this. It, because it was generated by AI, you can trust this. And then an inves- investigation later found that the software's list of future criminals included every single person arrested or fingerprinted in Chicago since 2013. <laughs> Whoa. So it's just like copying off of another like data set. All AI can do is it can gather and redistribute information using keywords that the person using it inputs, which means it's logically going to be flawed because it's not understanding the words. It's just reorganizing them in a way that it thinks makes sense to you. It's not a thinking machine. Yeah. The technology is not there yet. And people are way too eager to jump into it. In a, in a way that would almost assuredly collapse society, which is why it's insane to me that we're still having to like explain this to people to be like, they're like, did you see the article from, uh, what was it the Hollywood Reporter that came out about the executives and how they're choosing to fight the unions? Yeah, by just waiting mm-hmm. them out. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. And the, the key part that's resonated with me was like, this is a necessary evil. Yeah. Was the verbatim words from this quote source. And we're pretty sure this is a scare tactic to get SAG to not strike. And then saying, hey, we'll wait out the writers. We'll wait out the actors as well. But I think what's really happened is they've fired up the base of unions to be like, um, excuse me. (laughs) Unnecessary evil is not destroying the beautiful industry and community that people have tried to create here for literally over a century. It's nonsensical. I, I just, yeah. I can't understand the end game other than I guess 40 people will be a little bit wealthier. Than yeah. That's all before. it is. I, yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to cause society to collapse. It'll just accelerate the thing that's already happening, which is just like grotesque inequality like gets worse and like they're able to hire fewer people to do jobs and also the other thing that key that seems to be happening is like the quality of everything is getting worse and like mm-hmm. that's going to keep happening you know like yeah. tv shows mm-hmm. movies or but to like, my point isn't that like if we can track revolutions based off the price of bread right like so when people can no longer afford bread that's when they riot in the streets and take out leaders and get very serious about their actions because bread is everybody's base staple for survival. Then we have a fairly large, like the entertainment community is huge. I know some people think this is like a very small or elite space, but it's ginormous. And most of the people working in it are like working class people. And so Mm -hmm. if you eliminate everyone who, I mean, because essentially what if, when AI gets good enough, when it's actually usable, it will eliminate everybody who is of average talent, right? So yeah. What you do is you write pretty cute Hallmark stories, and you're pretty good at that, and they're re- successful enough to get commercials and to air frequently. Then great, you can probably buy a house, and you can feed your kids and send them to college, and you can have a very comfortable life. If AI can do that job, then you're wiping out hundreds of thousands of jobs, and that is really, really bad news for, like, Los Angeles, the county. Mm-hmm. I just, to, to me, I know it's, like, a small first step, but to me, like, the dominoes seem large and looming. Oh, for and, sure. And, absolutely yeah. like probable like if, if mm-hmm. things are not stopped immediately and i really think that that's the takeaway from the wga strike and and i really do hope sag joins because it's it's not just going to stop at the entertainment industry it's going to continue to sprawl out toward like we are one american workforce yeah uh, and we're all about to be impacted by this shit it's crazy all right that's gonna do it for this week's weekly zeitgeist please like and review the show if you like the show 
uh, means the world to Miles. He he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye. Right, gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many Many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.